Postgres itself is notoriously hard. The Postgres ecosystem, if you think about it, for the last two, three years, there are so many startups, which is very good. Also, in a sense, it's also not so good because, well, now you need to stand outside of the crowd. Postgres is powerful, no doubt on that, but making a solid and you know robust platform, you know, production grade one, which has good observability, good backups and restoration, good security, all of them needs a good team. Hey, this is Brian, and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi-weekly series where we discuss modern web development with maintainers, founders, and developers. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor and developer-first startups. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. Welcome to another installment of Jamstack Radio. On the line, we've got Vignesh. Vignesh, how are you doing? Doing well, thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. Yeah, pleasure, pleasure. And uh, thanks for joining me here in the East Bay. We're still remote, but you're one of the rare occurrences where I have a guest who's like on the side of the bay that I'm also on. So appreciate you taking time out of this rainy morning. Real quick, did you want to introduce yourself and tell us what you do uh, and why you're here? Sure, yeah, happy to do so. And before that, happy new year. Oh, likewise. Myself, Vignesh, uh, the co-founder and CEO of Omnigress. Omnigress has been around for close to a year now. Uh, we incorporated uh, late last year. And before Omnigress, I was with uh, Crowdfair working on their Postgres database platform team. I joined them as an individual contributor uh, very early, around 2019. One of their biggest requirements at that point in time is we need a rock-solid Postgres as a platform. Think of like a RDS, so that was my job there. I spent almost four and a half years, um, pretty good team, and uh, and, and you know, also was a very great timing, joining them around 2019 pre-IPO and seeing how the company scaled as a public company for the last five years. I've been around the database and, and specifically Postgres ecosystem. As far as I could remember, my first job was uh, Oracle DBA. And I guess now it's no longer relevant, or at least not that much relevant. <laughs> um, spent uh, three years at the Ticketmaster, scaling their database platform you know, to power pretty much any live events, NBA, NFL, all, all the live events and venues. So that's me in a nutshell. Yeah, and so you, you spent time at Cloudflare. You mentioned their Postgres as a service. Uh, what was the name of that service? I think it's still around, but yeah. So by the way, I mean, it's the service is only for internal teams. It's oh, it's been, internal. Okay, I wasn't sure if it's like that R3 tool. So uh, this was for internal teams specifically? Yeah, internal teams. All the So the database that we built, managed, and maintained is only used by internal teams. Like, for example, our customers are api.cloudflare.com or dashboards. Yeah, all the zone, like you know, user data, billing information, everything is stored inside our database. We are not ever, you know, exposed to that as a service to uh, external customers. Okay, yeah, sorry, I, I, I heard uh, what you were working on. I thought it was, I was correlating this with uh, something completely different, but that's intriguing. So, like, you you built this Postgres service internally. What was the reason for making the decision, like, build this internally as opposed to like? pick another tool off the shelf? Oh, very good question. So it goes back, I think, two things that company, I mean, Cloudflare believes so strongly that anything, you know, if it's fundamental, that has to be an open source tool. Like pretty much all the fundamental pieces or the infrastructure or platform pieces of Cloudflare is built on top of open source software or it's completely built in-house from the foundation. They, they just built it. For example, Linux kernel, 
open source uh, ClickHouse. Cloudflare is a very, very big user of users of ClickHouse, starting all the way back in 2017 or 18. Again, open source Postgres. From day one, 2009, Cloudflare started with Postgres. There is no like, you know, they started with Oracle or, or SQL Server and then eventually migrate to an open source database. That's the trend that we have seen so many companies have been doing in the past, but it's other way around with Cloudflare. They just started with open source. The second reason, you know, or kind of sub-reason for why they do that is the ability to, you know, inspect what the software is doing. I mean, end of the day, it's just a bunch of code. Uh, if things don't go well or, you know, work as expected, they want the freedom to go back and fix and modify. To kind of support this point, they have an internal fork of Linux kernel. Yeah. We have, we maintain multiple patches for Postgres. A lot of them we did submit upstream. Sometimes they do get accepted. Sometimes they are so specific for our needs. But end of the day, we have the ability to modify things. So for another piece of software called PG Bouncer, uh, a connection puller very popular in the Postgres ecosystem, we maintain a fork of PG Bouncer because we submitted so many patches of it and you know, it's a very long conversation and whatnot. We end up deciding, okay, you know, we will still open source it. Maybe others will get benefit. So that's the main reasons why Cloudflare maintains. Yeah, yeah. It really shows a sign of maturity for like the engineering team uh, to be able to have that that flexibility to one, maintain some of this stuff in the open and also give some of this back upstream. I spent a lot of time at GitHub and uh, at GitHub, they had, had maintained a fork of Ruby on Rails because uh, that was the sort of the decision that was make to build the original product. And they made a very clear decision back in 2019, I believe, is when they got back on the main branch uh, of Rails. So rather than like operating the fork, uh, GitHub was able to get back on the mainstream uh, of the Rails community. And, but that spent a lot of time of like back and forth and conversations and having core team members working at GitHub to help that conversation. It's Pretty awesome to hear that Cloudflare has a really good, strong open source culture, because like it's something that uh, like I'm de- deciding between Cloudflare and something else. And I know like Cloudflare works pretty closely to upstream uh, of what they're, they're owning. Uh, it gives me solace of like I'm making a right decision technically for my product, knowing that they won't diverge into like a weird enterprise. Uh, and I, I think you, you mentioned Oracle DB uh, DBA, like Oracle being historically being problematic in that situation of needing to use Oracle-specific things and then getting stuck in like a weird contract. Like, Definitely, it gets me a little bit concerned when I hear Oracle nowadays, but I'm very excited about things like Cloudflare. So I did want to talk about uh, Omnigress. So what is, um, like, how did this come to be? Like, how, you, how did you get started working on this? Yeah, so it all goes back. Uh, Yuri, my co-founder, who is the author of Omnigress, he has been hacking on this project for almost now close to you know, 12 months the project was trending on GitHub and uh, he was tweeting a lot about, you know, the challenges that he has been running into and, and you know, the things that he was accomplishing and whatnot. That definitely caught my, you know, attention because I was already in the ecosystem of Postgres and what he was doing with Omnigress was very unique at that point. So we both connected, this is, you know, somewhere around uh, 2023, mid of 2023, and then we just brainstormed over a period of you know, a month or two and we figured out there's you know something to be done here. Uh, he already had the pieces at that point in time, like a good foundation and kind of a platform to showcase that what can be done with Postgres. Then me joining the team, you know, uh, able to able to like go full time on that. 
around uh, around twenty twenty three fall, we decided you know let's let's do this thing, and that's how you know Omnicris got incorporated and started, got some good investors uh, immediately backing us. So that kind of gives us a further you know validation on what we are onto is something very interesting. Not just for two of us, for more people. So yeah, that's the genesis story of Omnicris with the idea that hey, we can we can make Postgres into an application runtime. Most of what we have heard or conventional idea is that Postgres or pretty much any database is just a database where you put data and get data. Especially in the last fifteen or ten or fifteen years, there's been has been more pushed that yeah, you should just use your database as a database. The approach of Omnicris is a little bit. Uh, tangential to that, you know, saying that, hey, why not use your Postgres, which has a very good database, but can you also use that as an, your application runtime? So that's the initial idea. And, you know, we are still figuring a few things around, like what's the initial GTM is going to look like, what are the specific use cases and, and audience we are going to cater. Yeah, and curious to find out, like, what brought you to build Omnigress? That's an interesting question, right? Especially the, the Postgres ecosystem, if you think about it, for the last two, three years, there are so many startups and, and so many interesting projects also popped up, which is just very good. Also, in a, in a sense, it's also not so good because, well, now you need to stand outside of the crowd. One of the biggest questions that we had with you know really good investors asking us is that, what are you going to stand out of the noise? Yeah. Anyway, I will tie this back to the answer of you know why I brought that up because... Personally, when I saw Omnigress, it was so unique. A lot of companies that were doing, you know, things, innovative stuff around Postgres is one packaging Postgres. You know, it's like Postgres itself is notoriously hard. That's what I did at Cloudflare, making it production ready. Postgres is powerful, no doubt on that. But making a, a solid and, you know, robust platform, you know, a production grade one, which has good observability, good backups and restoration, good security, all of them needs a good team. And, you know, there's a lot of open source projects out there. And, you know, assembling that itself is a very good, you know, kind of showed how, how big the market for that. Uh, then there is obviously the serverless components that has been picking out, etc. The idea with Omnigress was that none of those, it wasn't really package solving the packaging issues, nor the, nor the serverless, you know, addressing that component. It's more of addressing the entire complexity or reduction in complexity in the software stack. Over the last few years, I'm not sure, you know, if you have noticed that even building somewhat uh, non-trivial, a data-intensive application needs a lot of components. Obviously, you need a rock-solid database, then you kind of need, you know, most of them are using microservices, backends written in multiple languages. Now you need kind of an orchestrator to manage all of these, you know, microservices. Then pretty much talking to your database is slow. Then we pick some kind of a you know cache like memcache or Redis and and whatnot. Then all of these microservices we wrote, all of them need to communicate some way, and that's where we go for like job queues, like RabbitMQ or or like you know Kafka or some kind of you know queues. This just becomes like a zoo, what we call like a tech zoo. That to build something you know somewhat non-trivial needs all of these components. The approach of Omnigress is taking a step back and asking that, hey, do you really need all of these components? Is that the only way to build your, you know, data-intensive application? Or can we simplify that? And the answer is that, yes, we can simplify. You know, obviously, one approach is coming up with a new paradigm, like, you know, a new programming language or a new kind of a magic storage engine 
But the challenge is building something is so much resource intensive. It's not like it's going to be 10 to 15 years. Even if you can build, let's say you have, you have like an army of developers who can build that kind of a massive technology, the next question obviously comes in, how are you going to get that option? So that's when we realized, you know, betting on something that already exists. And then can we, you know, go along with that, go for a ride, you know, take them for a journey. That's when we looked at, oh, actually Postgres had a lot of these in terms of more as a capability. Uh, you can really, really do that. But the 99% of them don't do that. Because why do that? The development, the debugging, and the deployment experience is so bad that people don't even try that. Yeah. And we had conversations with our customers. They are like, I will do that only if I really, 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 really need to do that or use that. Well, okay. So that kind of showed us that there's a problem here with respect to the D3X, development, debugging, and deployment experience. Omnigress started solving that. So I saw those glimpse of what Yuri was able to do with just one person. Then that made me that, okay, you know what? We can we can actually do much bigger things with Omnicris. That's cool. Yeah. And so, so you mentioned like the VCs asking about this like crowded space and how you stand out. And like, like that's a great answer too as well, by the way. I'm getting similar vibes. So like back in 2020, I had a conversation with Superbase back when they were still three people, exactly the same size that you are today. And what was interesting about like that that conversation, but also looking at it now, is like I think they got a little bit of a head start on leveraging Postgres the platform to solve some problems for enterprise uh, itself. So it sounds like there's a lot of folks who are doing sort of Postgres as a service. How does Omnigress fit within that mix today? So are you providing the full on platform like an uh, an app right, <laughs> or are you providing closer to Postgres and extensions? Yeah, I'm honestly curious about how would I, I would leverage this. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a, everyone has is curious and we chat with them. So it's more of the latter. So what we have built so far is basically a constellation of extensions. If you go to Omnigress GitHub, you will see like people get inundated sometimes. Like, wow, this is a lot of extensions. So you have like close to now 10 to 15 extensions built that all arguments like a vanilla Postgres. Meaning that, hey, as long as you can install extensions on your Postgres database, you can start using Omnigress. Whether it's Superbase or Tembo or, or, you know, or your vanilla Postgres that you are maintaining on your own data center, doesn't matter. You can just start using them. So in the sense that Omnigress kind of coexists with a lot of these platform as a service providers, we see them you know, uh, augmenting their Postgres offering instead of we trying to be uh, yet another Postgres platform. Okay, cool. I mean, uh, so appreciate you sort of explaining that too as well. And like, it's always fascinating because like, I think the Postgres extension ecosystem, like it's very vibrant. Like Postgres is definitely the, I believe the right choice. Uh, I know there's other choices for for databases out there, but I think the community, the open source community that comes along for the ride helps get you started even more, like even quicker, um, especially if you have that mental model of like, okay, Postgres start here, Postgres extension start here. So what Omnigress is basically packaging these extensions in a way that you can get started much quicker. Uh, I guess my my question to you is, what's the use case? Like, who is the ideal user for an Omnigress today? Yeah, so the ideal users are, I would say, they are like SMBs who are already kind of, you know, phone product market fits and they are already building, you know, a developer size, let's say, you know, 10 plus developers who are building like a backend application like using Python or JavaScript or any language and using Postgres as their database of choice. And in terms of the domain, 
most of what we speak to resonates well with fintech and uh, e-commerce companies. Or, or in general, I mean, I like to say that anywhere money is involved. So the reason behind, uh, you know, the why these customers resonate much closer with what we are building is they care much more about latency, right? Like, you know, e-commerce companies, their checkout flow needs to be super fast. Uh, so does for fintech companies like Robinhood and uh, and whatnot. They also care about consistency. It's not like, you know, they, they it's not like they can just fire and forget or like, you know, YOLO. Well, no, this, this is all, you know, people get upset. If you say that, you know, you're going to send something, ship, and then if you don't ship, if you're an e-commerce company, at the end of the day, someone is going to be unhappy, which means you care about consistency, um, asset properties. So these are people who are already Postgres, and for them, the bigger challenge is that, oh, well, we now also need to fight the complexity aspect. And when we pitch in that, you know, well, actually, you don't really need to fight all the complexity. You already have your Postgres database where you store your data. Why not build your application on top of it? So these customers so far have resonated uh, very nicely with uh, with our idea. Cool. And then, so from your website, there's like a line about co-locating code and data. Can you talk more about that? Is this like the sort of SDK or have the interaction of Omnigress? Yeah, so that's the fundamental idea of Omnigress is that moving your logic, the application logic or business logic, close to where the data is. It's like, you know, if you think about for any business, just code alone without any logic is pretty much useless. It's just like a bunch of bits and bytes stored on a disk. What value you get out from just the data? Similarly, on the other hand, that, well, you have like, you know, say a lot of code there and doing some kind of heavy computation, but they all need data to get some meaningful value or output, you know, something out of it. Then we thought of like, why are we keep separating that? Like, you know, from my end of the day, holistically, we need these two things to kind of, you know, generate some business value. So that's one of the fundamental ideas of Omnigress is, it is to, you know, enable people to push or to put their logic close to where the data lives in. In terms of, you know, very simple terms, this is nothing super novel. If you think about it, that's really the way how applications 20 years ago built. Uh, anyone who used Oracle or SQL Server, they're all kind of familiar with this approach. They have used PLSQL or TSQL, these kind of procedural languages that lets you write your business logic. Like very complex business logic. These are not like you know, 10 or 100 lines of code. People have written 10,000 lines of procedural language code. That's pretty much how, you know, the, the bigger banks today, the insurance companies, even as of today, that's how they operate. Yeah, I, I guess my question to you, because you mentioned this in passing, that you, if you're using Postgres, you could use Omnigress. Uh, or if you can install a Postgres extension, specifically what you said, is that you could use Omnigress. Because there's a lot of companies still building software like we were 20 years ago. Uh, but then there's a ton of companies who are not. Uh, so I guess my question is like, is the aim for larger enterprises that fit that larger model, or my new SMB or my new startup can also start with Omnigress as well? Yeah, actually, we are seeing from both sides the newer startups which are building, for example, our first customer, they are building their entire platform or their entire backend using Omnigress. They are building like Robinhood for private equities, like a fintech company or a, I would say a fintech startup. Uh, their entire application is built on top of Omnigress. On the other hand, the bigger enterprises, since Omnigress, as I said, is a bunch of extensions, they don't need to buy in our vision from day one. 
they are like, oh, we have this specific problem. For example, one thing that we have worked on is called OmniPython, which makes Python as a first-class citizen inside Postgres. So these are like enterprises. Oh, we have this big logic written in stored procedure like PLPGSQL. Can we just replace this one particular piece instead of SQL, write that in Python using like, you know, packages or libraries that Python provides? So we are seeing, you know, kind of adoption from both ends. Enterprises, I would say, more like a smaller pieces or smaller components they are trying to replace. And then uh, early stage startups are uh, using us like the whole sum of Omnicris. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Yeah, this sort of embedding the Python inside of your Postgres. Like that's a lot of what I see in like these these new uh, database as a service uh, type tools is folks are bringing in a new paradigm or a new language uh, to interact. But if you already have a strong experience in Python, like I think that might be super enticing for folks to check out OmniPython. Uh, so I guess my question to you is, um, and I kind of like winding on the conversation. I. I uh, we we came in this conversation uh, before hit record. Uh, you sharing that very new, early. Uh, y'all are not just getting started, but like still sort of on the cusp of like how to figure out this product market fit. Like, what's next for Omnigress? Like, what are you? What spaces are you looking to enter? Yeah, so uh, I mean, definitely trying to figure out. You know, this platform of a hey, we can solve or make, uh, for example, Python as a first class citizen, which is very good. But more than that, we're trying to figure out what are specific use cases or problems that we can uniquely solve. For example, one thing that we are looking at is that providing like audit logs as a service. Think about any any company, you know, somewhat bigger companies. They all need to know when a record gets changed, who changed it, and what was the before image and what's the after image. Right now, people have to go through some kind of like you know tools like Debian, and Debian needs Kafka, which has this uh, change data capture, you know, log streams or uh, logical replication it uses to find all of that. And we are like you know at Omnigress, we are like, so how can we solve that? How do we approach this problem? We are like, well, we are right sits right inside your Postgres database, which means we know what the before image and after image. We can build this audit log as a service with just a single Postgres extension. So that's just to give you an example of what we are working on. Obviously, we are next one we are working on is like a query cache. So think about like, hey, you know, you need, uh, as I said, going back, talking to your database is slow. One approach is put your logic inside your database so that you are no longer talking to the database, you are talking within the database. Or even for whatever reason, you still need to do that, let's assume, right? Like you, you, not everyone is going to change their application tomorrow the way how it works. Why? Because... It's been working for 20 years, so let's keep them. But still, they all use Redis or some kind of a key values tool. So right now, they have their database, relational database, YLTP, likely Postgres, and they have like a Redis or some kind of a cache. So when we looked at, well, how can we take this component out of your, your tech zoo? We can build like a query cache inside your Postgres. So... Uh, there are early experiments that currently we are doing, so uh, hopefully some of them will be materializing in the next, uh, I would say, a couple of months. So, excellent. Yeah, uh, you'd mentioned the, the GitHub repo. Folks can pay attention to there. I don't know. It it seems pretty active. You all got over a thousand stars, so it seems like there's there's a bit of a community around it, and a handful of issues. So, I would I'm a big fan of open source, so I recommend everyone watch the repo, start the repo, uh, and you probably get a lot of context there. Any other places that you would recommend people to how to keep tabs on the story of Omnigress? I would say one other is uh, our Discord server. 
So we have a Discord community where the contributors, uh, Yuri, myself, and uh, Josh, we are we all are very active, and also our extended teams. Like you know, we have like contributors. We have solved multiple bounties. We even have like a bounty program which we created because a lot of people are like really interested and excited to contribute. And we thought, well, you know, actually let's also compensate them fairly. You know, uh, why just contributing is good, but let's make it win-win for everyone involved. So. Uh, if if someone is interested in in hacking on low level stuff, then yeah, I mean definitely take a look at uh, our GitHub repository. It's all written in C, uh, so good and bad. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, C's. It's I always find this super readable for me, surprisingly. But uh, I, I love perusing through code I didn't have to write uh, and learning something from it. So uh, encourage folks take a deep dive. Take a tour uh, into the uh, the Omnigress uh, repos. Um, so, with that, Vignesh, we actually want to transition to picks. Uh, appreciate this conversation on Omnigress. Uh, this is our opportunity for us to talk about stuff that we're jamming on. Uh, so, it could be music, could be food related, could be tech related. Uh, and if you don't mind, I'll go first. Uh, I've got two picks for you today. I just watched a movie over the weekend and was actually really surprised by it. Like, there's like this thing that I, I I've mentioned this in, on this podcast a few times. Me and my spouse, we um we always try to find like a movie to watch if we have like some time away from the kids, or the kids are to bed on time. But the challenge is like trying to find something to watch. So we've been doing this thing where we use Amazon Prime, which we don't really we pay for it. Don't always stream stuff from there. But as of lately, usually around like the award season, there's always like movies we've never heard of or that have won awards at different like Sundance or indie film festivals. And they always end up being on Amazon Prime for some reason. So uh, we kind of just like pick the first thing we see usually, and then we watch it. And if we don't like it, we'll like switch to something else. But uh, I guess if you don't have to pay for a ticket, to, to, you already sunk cost in the, the streaming. Uh, so I guess what I'm getting at is the pick is this movie called Another Version of You. It was like a film festival in Tennessee. Uh, I guess there's one out there that they it won there, and it's about a guy who gets gifted a key to open unlock a door to a parallel universe. Uh, and the the one caveat is like you can never go back. So he finds himself in a situation where he's at the point of his life where going through a parallel universe is actually a little more opportunistic than where he is today. And as you like any sort of sci-fi or any, uh, this whole conversation around parallel universes where you like, it's binary, either you do this or you do that, or you're with this person or that person, or you went to this school or that school. Every different universe is like a fork in some decision that he made uh, in his life. So he goes to the world trying, basically chasing a girl and trying to find a situation where he can be with the girl he's looking for. So I'll leave it at there. It's not high budget, so like it's decent acting, not the best acting. But I would say for a movie that would have you think, about the movie after the fact, that's the one thing I appreciate about. It. So the movie's called Another Version of You. I do recommend it. It's uh, if you're in the states, at least it's an Amazon Prime, and their their streaming side of their their product. Uh, I don't know. Do, do you, I, I assume you probably pay for Prime yeah. because everyone has Prime at this point. <laughs> at least I do. So <laughs> I was joking that I guess Amazon Prime and Costco are the two things that's just going to be <laughs> by default. Every household in America is going to have. It's it's like the your SSN. Yeah, you you head in and you are going to have those two. Yeah, so Amazon, Costco, and GitHub. <laughs> Every, everyone's going to have a GitHub account as well. 
Sure. Yeah. So the other thing I, I want to mention in passing, because I've been doing a ton of data visualization. So we do use Postgres internally at open source, and I've been messing around with Nevo.rocks. So Nevo is like a, a library on top of D3. And honestly, I'm not even sure if D3 is still a part of one of the dependencies uh, of the project anymore. But if you want to visualize data and React components, Nevo has a bunch of like really, really good like uh, interactions and charts and um, like a, an array of different ways to display data. So the game I've been playing is like I've got a bunch of JSON or a bunch of stuff coming from SQL. How do I present this in a way that's visually appealing uh, inside of like an interface? So I've been messing around with this uh, site called Contributor.info. Uh, where you can just go to, and by this time the podcast comes out, it'll be much nicer. But today you just add in any repo, uh, and you can see your contributor info. So, looking forward to making this like more of a shareable experience in the future. But it was a project I started working on the last week of the year, right after Christmas. I tried to build something like either my new website or a blog. This happened to be I'm building a little side project for myself to display open source data. Yeah, I just. Put in uh, obviously Omnigress. So uh, just for people who are going to try, looks like they have to put the the project name and then as well as the username or something. The, the repo, yeah. So it's Omnigress slash Omnigress. Correct. Yeah. So that's the uh, in GitHub world, it's called the full name. Okay. For any project, uh, so it has to be the owner in the repo. I don't think that's actually it's not spelled out in the app, but. Uh, once I get it working, the data working in Nevo, uh, I will eventually have a better experience. <laughs> so you don't have to figure that out. Yeah, always happy to be an early user, right? <laughs> so my picks are definitely nice suggestions, Brent. So I will definitely look out for the movie. Um, something we, you know, both my spouse and I run into often. It's the same challenge. My picks are the very first one, something that I use every single day is my Espresso mission. So it's called a Gaggia Classic Pro. Uh, again, my spouse gifted it for my, I think, uh, one of my birthdays two or three years ago. And from the day onwards, I've been using it every single day. I mean, I'm a coffee, obviously, lover or whatever, you know, liker. But the thing is, I like the coffee in a very specific format or the way. I, I don't drink black coffee, you know. I it, my The way I, I, how I drink is like just one shot of uh, espresso and then put like 80% of milk in it, steamed milk. So it's kind of like off-white, what some people call our full white, but that's just the only way how I like. And not a lot of coffee shops make it that way. You know, I tried so many times Starbucks and whatnot. They they just go with their, you know, the usual way, however they make. Maybe the smaller cafes, I've tried, they, they do make really good ones, nice ones. But the challenge has been finding something, you know, in the East Bay side. I have to travel like 20 minutes one way. Yeah. Like go somewhere Anvil or, you know, here and there. And then then another funny stuff is that a lot of coffee shops also closes at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm actually, you know, getting, you know, somewhat relaxed. And I can drink actually a coffee and enjoy it after 3.30. Well, guess what? Already shops are closed. So my wife, you know, obviously looked at it and, you know, understood and she gifted that. Yeah, so that's something I really, really recommend anyone who is into coffee. And and also the, the other one, kind of, you know, since we are talking about coffee, is the beans, right? That's the next one. You have an espresso mission, so how are you going to make your coffee? I've tried so many things, the the, the blue bottles and, and whatnot, but end up with side glass is the other one which I tried. But my pick is Verve. So this is a, a roaster based out of Santa Cruz. Amazing, amazing. They have a subscription model. 
I wouldn't say that they are the, not the cheapest one, right? You know, obviously, if you go to Costco, you would definitely or, or or Walmart, you may find something less expensive. But this is best. This is worth that extra five or ten dollars that you would put in for your coffee. So that's my food-related pick. Let me think about more on uh, more on life-related. Huh. There is one book which really changed the way how I perceive the world or see the world is this book called Give and Take by Professor Adam Grant. He's a, he's a professor from, I believe, University of Pennsylvania or Wharton College of Business. Amazing book. It, it kind of goes you know, deep into this idea of how helping others eventually help you succeed in your life. It's kind of like, you know, if you think about it, like, well, you know, if you, someone is asking you something, the first thing you think is that, why should I help? What's there in it for me? But then this book is full of examples of how givers take over the world. It kind of puts people into three buckets, like givers, takers, and then someone called matchers. I mean, obviously, most of the world is matchers because, oh, you did something for me? Well, I will do something for you. But then there is a very small subset of people who does help uh, without expectation, without nothing in return. That, hey, I'm, I'm just going to do you. That's it. If you help me somewhere down the line, so be it. If not, don't worry. Don't bother. You just keep paying, you know, the, the kind of will for other people, pass on to others. So that really, that book really resonated for me. So uh, yeah, definitely I recommend any books from Adam Grant and specifically Give and Take. Okay, yeah. Adam Grant is somebody I, I've definitely seen speak at places. Uh, I think he actually was a guest speaker at one of the internal conferences at GitHub. I've never read any of his books or have any sort of background on who he was. I'm very intrigued by this book, so I just added to my wish list as you were, you were talking. Yeah, I mean, he showed examples like, you know, all the way from leaders, like people in politics and, you know, VCs, definitely. The first, very first uh, uh, example he gave is like, you know, a VC who, whom some people ran into and how they kind of helped each other and end up investing in some of their companies. But he gives examples from all over the place. And then once you get that idea, then if you look back, even in your organizations, and some people gets promoted, you're kind of like genuinely happy for them. You're like, yes, that person got promoted. They deserve it. Why? Because you know that, right? They have helped you and you know, they have not, or you have seen they go above and beyond to help other people. So yeah, that's uh, one book that I would recommend highly. Excellent. So the other one is like a forest app. This is an app that I use pretty much, you know, every time when I try to get into work because obviously. We are in the world of distraction, so I do get distracted time and time, and I want to, you know, keep my focus when I'm working on something or when I need to get something done. And this little app, they have like a mobile app. You can install it in your iOS or iPad. But the best part is that it's also a browser plugin or extension, so you can enable that plugin, and then you know it just makes you, you know, stay focused. It's like a small tree that you know you grew. Once you focus for that specific time, let's say 30 minutes, you block and you want to do this thing. And then end of 30 minutes, you see a tree popping up. And then, you know, if you couldn't do that, and if you, for whatever reason, you went to, you know, twitter.com or somewhere, then the tree gets died. So obviously, you know, you don't want your trees to go go dead. So focus. Excellent. Yeah, sometimes we need a little little nudge to not, not kill trees so we can stay focused and get some work done. I'd say a lot more nudge. <laughs> yeah, saying on the you know that the track is is such a 
uh, I mean, at least for me personally, has been a challenge. I see a lot of other similar authors and books that we are saying how to focus in this distracted world. So any kind of help externally, internally, that if you can get, well, go for it. Excellent. Ignesh, thank you so much for coming on the chat on the podcast about Omnigress and sharing some pretty delightful picks, actually. Thank you. I, I look forward to digging into these books. And also, I might even check out this uh, this Focus app as well. Uh, but with that, uh, folks, keep spreading the jam. That's all we have time for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. This show is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor and developer for startups. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. 